Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California with my co-host, Joey. No chill, pray now. Hello, Andy. Or is it Karen? <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought you might give me the, uh, the, like, the Pippin to your Jordan, my co-host. Because I, I think that's a nice, uh, it's like a nice... I'd be honored to be the pip into your Jordan. It's funny that you I'd say like, that. I'd be like, let's, you know, Andy's the host. I just do literally all the work and you get the accolades. <laughs> Un- unbelievable. It's funny you say that because I had a a three or four hour Zoom session with college buddies. Yeah. And then afterwards, the discussion began how. After the Zoom? Yeah, like. My other buddy via text. Yeah, I mean, it just wouldn't stop. My buddy called me, and we were having discussions because we're gonna have a big reunion. A Zoom reunion? No, an actual in-person reunion. A reunion? Yeah. Okay, a real reunion in Cincy. In St. Louis. Okay. And we were. Is this like an actual reunion, like a ten-year college reunion or some shit like that? Just, just a bunch of buddies getting together in like July or August. Okay. And I was debating who each of us is. From the last dance. Because there's six of us. Okay. And, the, and my buddy's like, oh, you, you got to come prepared. We'll have a whole discussion at my pool. Debate. Is there, is there a very clear Jordan? No. No. I mean, I, I'd argue, poss- like, if we're talking, because we're mostly Are you ta- Bill Wennington? No. We're talking mostly the shenanigans. Like, if, if, if it comes to... If we're gonna say like the the wild out of control guy, I'd be close to Jordan. So would my own buddy too. But then I could also be a Rodman. But yeah, but then like, is the out of control guy the most out of control? Is the goat? So therefore, they're Jordan. But like, but Rodman obviously out of control. I mean, were we doing the last dance first? I figured we. I figured that would get saved. I figured we start with the draft first, and then you try to start with some Karen stuff. Well, you, we, were just, we were just talking Karens before the show. Well, you were explaining some Karen stuff to well, me. Well, because I, I just I saw this going around that the Karens are upset that they're being called Karens. Somebody even posted like a meme or like a, a, a graphic saying that Karens were calling like white women Karens is like calling black people the N-word, which is just. Somebody didn't post that. Some, I swear it's going around. It's a big gra- and it's like a huge thing and then now there's this like big growing there's this growing anti-karen movement and i tweeted this morning is is there anything that's more karen yeah than the karens being upset that they're called karen like that's just peak karenness right there like getting offended by something that's not offended it's offensive at all and being like i need to speak to the manager of the internet you got to stop referring to us all by the same white lady name and then you and i started talking about you said you don't you don't know if you've ever slept with a Karen, and I said I for sure haven't, at least not that I recall. And I said that that's kind of like the last generation's like Ruth 
or Mildred or like Beatrice, like all these names that like grandmas used to have. Karen's like one generation or a half a generation above us. It's the 40 to 50 year olds that are like speaking to the manager. I don't know a lot of like, like not a lot of Karens and Susans in my life. I want to say I've slept with a Karen, though. I don't know. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. You know, let's go with my phone contacts. What? what oh, I turned my phone off. I'm going to turn it back on. I wonder what Karens I have. I don't even, I, yeah, I bet. L- l- look at your phone. See if you have any Karens in there. I bet you I don't. Like, did you know any cute Karens I growing a, up? I have a Karen, and it's a. I used to teach surf lessons, right? And... It's the mom of the guy who owns the surf company. She's like in her 60s. Every once in a while, I had to call Karen because I had to return wetsuits to her backyard. Yeah, it's like a lady in her 60s is the only Karen in my phone. I will say the woman. Maybe 50s. The woman who used to. She's a a splendid lady. She doesn't seem like this. She might be a speak to the manager type now that I'm thinking about it. She has like a Santa Monica. I feel like the Karens who spelt with an I are not as bad as with an E. I mean, I feel like it's worse. You I feel do? like now you're not even just embracing your Karen-ness. You're trying to, like, get funky with your Karen. It's like spelling Ruth with two O's. I don't, have any, Car- <laughs> I don't have any Karens on my phone. I'm telling you, this is, it's, a, it's a generation before us. Let me see. I'm just putting Tinder into my phone. <laughs> Dude, look at this. Look at this. Well, I mean, their names aren't Tinder. You've just named them all that. Isn't that confusing? Look at this. You must have multiple, like, Kelly Tinders, right? No, I have... As far as K's, I have Katie, Kaylee, and Kristen from Tinder. Yeah. Like, I feel like the Katie's, the the Jenny's, the Kelly's, that's going to be our our generation's Karen's. Let me see. You're going to be like, enough, Jenny. That's my goal now to to remember if I uh, if I hooked up with a Karen. I think your goal should be to hook up with a Karen. What else do you have to do? I think you should do this. Should be like a science project. Not even a science. This should be like something that you blog about. Like you should you should try to sleep with as many Karens as possible. <laughs> write <laughs> write an article about it and like send it to like Betches or something. You know, like write a blog post about like I slept with ten Karens and here's what I found. They're all white girls, though. Can you imagine? There's no, like, Latina or black girl name. No. Karen. No. Like, Karina. Who's a famous Karen? I mean, I'm sure there's a famous Karen. I mean, we're we're, we're down this rabbit hole. I'm going to put it... I'm going to put in famous Karens in my computer. (laughs) Famous Karens. I mean, who's a famous Karen? Oh, that's bad. Who are the famous Karens? Number one on FamousBirthdays.com is Karen Gillian, an actress. Yeah. Famous Birthdays is some millennial shit. But there's got to be. Bro. Don't name your kid Karen if you want him to become famous. I mean, there's not... Dude, there's not... There's not many... There's no, it's, it's, yeah, just don't, don't do it. 
kind of like your idea though. The the problem it'd be difficult to find Karens though on the dating apps. I, st- I like just just like go to Facebook and search Karen, find mutual friends, people in Los Angeles. I mean, this is a great article. I slept with ten Karens, and here's what I found. This is a phenomenal. I like. I want a piece of this. If I if I help you organize this, can I have fifteen percent? Sure. It's I'll help you find Karens. It seems like a lot of work. I mean, I'll help you write the thing too. Like we can, we can co-write it. You'll just have to be the you know our our petri dish. It's a lot of work, man. It's fun work, though. What else do you have to do? You're quarantined. I quarantined with ten Karens. <laughs> Let me speak to your manager. Sleeping with ten Karens in ten days. It's a great article. But it doesn't sound fun because... I, you, honestly, you think it could be a documentary. This could be a Netflix. When you think Karen, you don't think, hey... Sleeping with the Karens? It's like sleeping with the enemy? These are the type of girls that aren't going to be pleasurable in bed, though. Also, the, conver- the this is definitely a documentary. The conversations about you talking to Karens about being named Karen in the, in the age of Karens... You could start with my friend who's a surf instructor's mom. She lives in Santa Monica. You said she's 60. I mean, I'm saying we got to find Karens here. Let's start where we start. I did go to grade school with a Karen. If anybody knows Karens in the greater Los Angeles area, please email us at 30sports.com. The woman who used to run this building was a Karen. She was the meanest person ever. <laughs> <laughs> She would always try to speak to the manager, and she was the manager. Dude, she was a total bitch. Yeah. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. Yeah. Don't name your kid Karen. Yeah. I love this. The Karen episode. Dude, I I just, it's, it's again, a lot of work. I, I might not have much going on. In fact... Maybe 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 Karen can get my sleep schedule normal. It's out of control. Cool. I love it. I'm going to bed at five a.m. Well, what did you do last night? Like, were you up watching TV? Yeah. Well, I watched. Is it true that now that Bilbo's gone, you have taken to staying up till five in the morning, sleeping on the couch? Except I exercise and don't sleep for twelve hours. At any point before going to bed at four a.m., did you eat a cheesesteak? No, because there could be some like weird Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde uh, that you have become Bilbo. So I watched the last dance and then I went for like a a run and these are like eight mile runs. So they're they take a minute. And then I got home and I showered. I read my book. I did some writing. Yeah. And then I. Dude, I stare. Okay, this is going to sound crazy. I, I just, I, I want to do, and we're not going to do it now, but I want to do an episode where we talk about things we've learned about ourselves in quarantine because I think that's kind of interesting. Okay. I, I've just learned I just, I don't binge. I don't care about TV and movies to like binge or, or I shouldn't say to watch daily. So I'll find myself just sitting in here. I know this sounds, people are going to be like, Ruther's a serial killer. I'll find myself sometimes just like thinking. Sitting on the couch, no nothing on, just thinking about life. That is pretty serial killery. <laughs> Speaking of which, great transition. And I started 
Mindhunter on Thursday evening and finished it yesterday morning. See, that's what I'm saying. Two seasons of Mindhunter. Basically two days. Two, Yeah, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, basically two days. I mean, to put it in context, I started watching Bond movies. You got three in and then you stopped? No, I, I finished the Sean Connery last night, so I think I'm six or seven in. But my point is, I'm six or seven in two weeks later. I, I told you too, like you you got to be mixing like every time you go to your to go to the TV you can't be watching it's just too similar it's just too much of the same thing over and over again. No, I watched uh, I watched. You got to mix in some other stuff. I, okay, so Friday night I actually got really really baked. Like you saw what happened to DiGiorno Pizza. Yeah, how did how did that even happen? Seems like you pulled it a little early. First of all, so it said eighteen to twenty one minutes. Yeah. And I was at 20, and I could tell it still looked undercooked, but I was so hungry I had the munchies, and it was, and then it got stuck to the middle tray, and I took it out, and I couldn't get it. I was like, I like had my spatula, and I was trying to get, dude, it was a mess. <laughs> I ate the whole thing. Yeah. It's still pizza. I thought of you. I was like, Prano, it's still pizza. Yeah, it's still pizza. And then I watched- Put it in a- Put it, put it into a bowl and dice it. It's still pizza. I watched that new Hemsworth movie. Is that like the Extinctor or whatever? Extraction. The Extraction, right. How was that? I've I'm, heard terrible things. I mean, look, dude. When you're an edible and like a, a joint deep, whatever. A lot of action. Yeah. That's all it is. I watched, uh, the, I watched The Last Dance. I watched that Beastie Boys documentary, which is on Apple TV. And I watched two full seasons of uh, two full seasons of um, Mindhunter, which was great. First season was really good. Second season, little fell off a little bit. Uh, supposedly, it's like in like they don't know whether or not it'll come back. Which is like, God damn it! I wish I had looked into that before I started watching it. Well, I looked into it after you told me to watch it, and then I realized it's an actual scripted show yeah i was hoping i i wasn't sure forever i had heard people talk about it i was like oh is it a do-? and then when i realized it was a script show i was like huh interesting i give it a shot i really liked it i i especially really liked the first season and then i watched the black mirror movie where you get to pick and choose what happens mm-hmm. bandersnatch i watched that and again, it wasn't that good. When you're sleeping with these Karens, be careful of their bandersnatch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Should man. we talk about the NFL draft, Andy? That was this weekend. You're really, you're really just saving this last dance thing, huh? Well, I feel like the draft is more like breaking news. We've already done the last. Da- we, we did the first two episodes of the last dance for basically a whole episode last week. I feel like the draft is more like sportsy news. I think we start with the NFL. We close with the last dance. Let's do it. Even though, well, yeah, so let's do it. Do you have, what's what's your biggest takeaway from the NFL draft? What's your, like, number one draft storyline? I wrote down a lot of draft storylines. Well, one is, again, NFL, I keep saying it, NFL is king. We knew that, but... Still hasn't missed a beat. Broke ratings records. All three days, the ratings were higher than they've ever been. And uh, 
that's how desperate people are for sports stuff right oh, now. Oh yeah. I I said and and a lot of people that I've just talked to personally were like, "What? No, why? There's no reason not to do this every year like this. There's no reason we need to have a live draft. There's none." I disagree. Have you ever gone? No, but it's turned into such an event for who? The people that go. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people. Well, no, we're not. We're not talking about hundreds of thousands of people. Hundreds of thousands of people don't go to the NFL draft. <laughs> Honestly, for do you remember? Do you remember what is it? Main Street or Broadway in Nashville last year? That, but that's that's not people that were necessarily just there for the draft. There's a draft party, and then people are going out for it. Uh, people my, in Nashville are like, "Oh, well, this is happening. I'll turn up." But that's my point. It gets a lot more people out. But so what? So who are we were? This is for what Nashville's tourism. L- literally, the people that go to dr- that go to the draft that like buy tickets to the draft and like there. I said it's two dozen Jets Eagles fans. and Jets fans that are there to boo their draft pick. Then we got Roger Goodell hugging a bunch of guys that three years later are gonna be like, we don't know you shit. CTE is not real. Get the fuck out of here. Like the thing is, is that the. NFL is behind a lot of other leagues in terms of their like social awareness. The fact that they proved this, that they can do it this way, it almost seems like it's a no-brainer to just go, why have like the environmental footprint of flying like ESPN crew, staff, you know, the... You're bringing up environmental footprint. I'm just talking about... Like the NFL cares. I'm saying the NFL doesn't care. But you can you can get an easy win here and say we're not going to fly twelve executives from every team, all the ESPN staff and crew, all the NFL crew, all of the players that are going to be drafted in the first round for what? For what? For a photograph of them shaking Goodell's hand? It seems it just seemed like it barely missed a beat with this. So there, to me, there's just no reason you have to do it. And the fanfare of it all is like. You've never gone. I've never gone. We were going to go this year because it was in Vegas because we were like, oh, it's basically just an excuse to go to Vegas. But, like, I've never in my life once outside of Vegas said, let's go to the NFL draft. Well, ever. I do. And it was in New York for years. I do like how they show the homes and we got a lot of great right, content. Right, that was the other thing. The homes of the players. The, the homes girlfriends. of the coaches. The homes. It, it was I, – I thought that there was a ton of content – that went into like the social media push of the draft because it was at home. The Ver- the Vrabel family, obviously. The Vrabel family, Cliff Kingsbury's home setup. Cliff Kingsbury, like he he bought a a country club in Arizona, <laughs> and he's watching the draft alone with no socks on, just Kingsburying it up. If you zoom in on that Cliff Kingsbury picture, he has an outdoor day bed that has seven hundred pillows on it. I mean, is Cliff Kingsbury's wife a Karen? Is there is there a Karen Kingsbury? No, he's not married. He was... Uh... His mom must be a Karen because he has 700 pillows on his daybed. I did like Inside the Homes, and obviously there was a lot of controversy. I don't know why ESPN would post mom was a drug addict for 16 years. I mean, that was the... That was the Basically, the main story, I've never seen anything as aggressive as ESPN this year during the draft, finding the worst thing that ever happened to somebody and making it a must mention. 
Everybody like, and then his brother died, and I mean, they would they would go loose. They'd be like, his uncle's second wife was killed in a violent plane crash. You're like, <laughs> did he even know her? His dad once dated a Karen. Like Jesus, dude. They just- they listed that one of the players' mom was a drug addict and was battling addiction. Why are you airing out the family business? I know, and they put it on the screen. On the screen. Yeah, I mean that that's just like an ESPN that's where ESPN has to take a huge L. It's like Well they did. How many people made the same joke on the internet? It's like, why are you bringing up the worst thing that ever happened to all these people? Like every guy. Every guy. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I don't get it. I said if you like a signs that you're gonna be a like a top NFL draft pick, your dad died when you were a child in some sort of violent crime, and the only thing he left you in the will was a black leather love seat <laughs> where you will pile, pile your entire family on to watch the NFL draft, to watch you get drafted. And Roger Goodell was stumbling. Stumbling, mumbling, tumbling. Yeah, he was struggling. He went from standing up in a suit to like leaning on some shit in a sweater. Fifth round, he was like laying on the floor but in he, a snuggie. But even first round, I posted that clip where he, he didn't know what year it was and he and didn't know no, where city. Yeah, that was that was like mid first round. I was like, get the guy an earpiece. What is happening here? Yeah, I, I honestly, I just don't. I, I thought it was more. Obviously, we're we're sports starved. I watched more of this draft than I've ever watched a draft. I thought it was interesting to see all these guys at home, to see them all with their family, to see the coaches at home. Bill Belichick's dog was running in the draft at one point. Bill Belichick's dog was like monitoring the Patriots draft picks. The G- Bill Belichick is the head coach and GM of the Patriots. At one point, their war room was an empty kitchen with a dog in the chair. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. Yeah. By the way, the Packers should hire that dog because the Packers fucking hate Aaron Rodgers. What is going on? That's definitely one of my top headlines. Well, who's the backup for the Packers right now? I don't know. So neither of us know. They had somebody last. I mean, they did they get... Is it like Deshaun Kaiser last year or something like that? They signed somebody last year after starting Hundley a couple of years ago. But this isn't a backup situation, right? This is I mean, they took a guy in the first round. If you wanted to you could sign a guy to be the backup. I mean, look, dude. Go get Joe Flacco. Go get, you know. You're still big on Aaron Rodgers. He fell off a lot last year. He was thirteen and three. They made the NFC championship game. His team was thirteen and three. Okay. I'm just saying, his team got waxed twice by the 49ers. Like, he fell, he did. He fell off a lot last year. He did. I, I'll say it again. The one thing is just judging quarterbacks, you know, people are like, oh, QB wins isn't a stat and quarterbacks. And, like, you still have to look at the fact that the Packers have this disarray. Everybody's saying Aaron Rodgers hates McCarthy. They get rid of McCarthy. They bring in a brand new head coach. Everybody goes first year. They always say it takes a half a season under a new off- offensive system. They went 13-3 and three and went to the NFC Championship game, which begs the question, 
Okay, they get waxed by the 49ers. That they're one team away from the Super Bowl. I, so do you do you like do you try to adjust your team to beat that 49ers team or are you giving up like it just seems like the Packers might be punting on the Aaron Rodgers era. Well, I just think that one they in my recent memory were one of the worst 13 and 3 teams that I can recall. I mean, you you are Mr. you have like you have pulled the Bill Belichick the Bill Parcells you are your record quote on this show numerous times. I have. But that doesn't mean that you still can't be you, you know that that division to me is a weak division compared to some of the other ones. Um I'm not saying punt on Aaron Rodgers. And obviously, he's the starter. In the 15 years, again, since they drafted Aaron Rodgers, they haven't drafted a skill position offensive player in the first round. It, it just seems to me like if you're 13-3, and three, whether you're a strong 13-3, and three, whether you're a weak 13-3, and three, you're one game away from the Super Bowl. You should be able to adjust your team in three to four facets and compete again for a Super Bowl and it just seems like wasting your first round pick on the only position on the field that you're pretty much set at not to mention in the second round they go out and they get a running back running back and quarterback were great for them the re- like they need a wide receiver they've refused to draft one yeah and they're trading up to get this quarterback. Sure. Why don't you trade up to get all these receivers that fell? I mean, Jer- Judy falls, Lamb falls. Like, these guys are, because the Raiders do, another classic Raiders storyline, because the Raiders had to have the fastest receiver in the draft. Why do the Raiders love speed so much? Al Davis will... His ghost. He, he His f- finger comes out of the ground, like tails from the crypt, and just points at the guy with the highest 40 time. Like, ah, he pulls it. You see you see the, the chain sunglasses coming out. He's like, rugs. Give me rugs. It's like, uh, f- uh, you know, old bull cut Davis getting visited by his dead father at the side of the bed in the middle of the night. You must take the fastest receiver. So this is like, this is something they've done for 30 years. They're like, if you were a former track star, we will draft you. James Jett? Yeah. So the Packers' backup was Tim Boyle last year. Okay. Whoever that is. Right. Look, I don't fully understand it either. I'm not saying. But it, it seems to me that they don't. They didn't draft this guy to be the backup. They drafted him to be the future. Correct? And you drafted Rodgers. Everybody was talking about how they, draft, they drafted this guy at the same age that Rodgers is as they drafted Favre, are, do we not remember that that was a debacle? That was a debacle. They tried to push Favre out. He didn't want to leave. He stayed. He's retiring. He's unretiring every training camp. Is he coming back? Is he not coming back? Finally, he leaves. Then he goes to the Jets. Then he comes back, and he haunts them with another team. Like, it was a shit show. They wanted Favre out of there before Rodgers. Before, they wanted before he was out of there. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Like to to point to that as the situation. Oh yeah, this this is a highly combustible situation. And I think Aaron Rodgers is very sensitive 
as we've seen. He's had a lot of problems with coaches, his family. I don't I don't I do not think this goes well. I agree. Yeah. And and the other thing is if you and I don't mind, by the way, if you honestly look at your team, if you're the GM or you're LaFleur and you guys have decided we were a week thirteen and three, this team doesn't have a chance to win with Aaron Rodgers. We should be planning for the future. Okay. There are people that want Aaron Rodgers if you make him available. I understand that he has a huge cap number. I understand, but like there are people that will make it work. You think Bill Belichick's just sitting over there going like, don't give me Aaron Rodgers? He will figure out a way to make it work if you're saying that Aaron Rodgers is available. But it seems like they're, they're fence-sitting here that they're doing neither, that they're neither giving up and going like, we're not as good as our record is. This is a build for the future. But they're also not going, let's give Aaron Rodgers one last shot here in the next two to three years. Well, obviously, it's a very – they won the division last year. And, again, it's I, – I would argue it's still their division to lose because the Bears are – I don't know what's happening. Nick Foles, and they have a Nick Foles, Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky situation. Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, and then you have Detroit going to Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I don't fully understand. Obviously a lot of people were surprised, especially to trade up for that pick. The other quarterback headline, of course, is uh is Jalen Hurts in the second round of the Eagles, which is only kind of fun and funny because like Eagles fans can't face the reality. Like they're trying to convince themselves this is some sort of like Taysom Hill. Jalen Hurts is going to come in and run all these weird packages situation or that like, I mean, I have Eagles fans that I'm literally on a text group text with that are like, this is trade bait. I'm like, you don't, you don't draft a guy in the second round to trade him later on in the draft. That's not how that shit works. They're, they clearly got a guy as a security blanket for a quarterback who's always hurt. And it wasn't a terrible decision, but like at the same time, the Eagles, like a reckless draft, if you ask me. They go small, speedy receiver again. They go good win. They trade to get good win from the Niners. They go Jalen Hurts. Like they're just trying to put together like a receiving core of Deshaun Jackson's. And they're going to have a, a Wentz Hurts, by the way, which is just hilarious to think of. That's how their death chart reads. Wentz Hurts. <laughs> it's like a headline. It's like a it's like Tracy Morgan wrote a Philadelphia headline. Wentz hurts. Um so yeah, that was that was a hilarious storyline for me. Jalen Hurts is interesting. You don't watch much college football. I obviously got to see him play a lot this year for Oklahoma. And when he was at Bama, he didn't have the passing skills and he was more of a runner. And as far as the development at the at the position, but then under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, as he's done with so many other guys, he really flourished this year. I mean, he came second in the Heisman voting, and, and I thought he he's a nice little sleeper. Of he comes from big programs, but he battled a lot of adversity, which I like. 
right? He gets demoted for Tua. He sits the whole year. Then he has to come back when Tua gets injured in the SEC Championship. Not this year, but the year before last, right? He leads Alabama to the win over Georgia in the SEC Championship. He transfers to Oklahoma. Like, he's battled a lot, which I like. I actually don't hate it. It is proof that no matter what anybody thinks about Carson Wentz as far as the contract, especially that he just got a big contract, the Eagles front office is clearly worried about his health. I mean, that's the thing. And and that's why, to me, it's like it's not as crazy as a draft pick as you'd think, but it, it still is. But if you're an Eagles fan, don't convince yourself that the Eagles spent a second rounder on a guy that they're going to like come in and try to run, you know, the wildcat with. This is a clear and obvious we need a security plan for if Wentz gets hurt. Yeah, we can't have 43-year-old what's his name who played in the playoffs. Yeah. Who gives us zero chance. Yeah. So, McCown. I mean, it's still it is still hilarious though. It's just like as a Giants fan, I'm like, yes, do that. This is good. Yeah. Um, so here's a couple of the other headlines. I mean, speaking of my Giants, the Giants go O-line heavy, tons of O-linemen, including Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Of all the tackles, I mean, I was begging that if they didn't trade back, they took one of these tackles. And I actually thought that the tackle, uh, the number of great offensive tackles in the draft were so high that I thought for sure they would draft back and just take whichever one was available to them wherever they drafted back. Supposedly they tried to, and it didn't really work. Um, so they ended up taking Andrew Thomas, which I don't watch a lot of college football. I did I did my briefings. I thought Worfs was going to be the guy that goes to them if they had to sit at four, four, but they take Thomas. But they go heavy O-line across the board, and they take McKinney from Alabama in the early second round as a safety and uh, so I like the Giants draft just going like, just give me all the O-linemen. Give me them all. I'm just it, it, what the Giants did is they made up for the four straight years where they took where they randomly ignored the fact that their offensive line sucked and they took seven offensive linemen in this draft. And I'm OK with it. Herbert, as I said on the on our show pre-draft, goes to your L.A. Chargers, stays on the West Coast, little Little Oregon boy uh, coming to the Chargers. Big arm. They're going to make him grow a beard. They're going to give him Fouts' number. They're going to change his name to Justin Fouts. Are you excited about this? Sure. <laughs> as far as, I like. Think they did draft pretty well, I felt. Yeah. They got, they got the linebacker. Murray. Murray uh, from Oklahoma as well. And then they got uh, local kid from UCLA, Josh Kelly running back. Oh, look at you. Got, did you get an email from the Chargers? Oh, they said they emailed me nonstop. I like, even the seventh round, the KJ Hill pick from Ohio State. The Chargers, dude, I get three emails a day from the Chargers. That's amazing. The, dude, they are so desperate. So the Chargers set up like some virtual draft party for season ticket holders. I'm telling you, I think, I think if I stick with season tickets, I think by the end of this football season, We'll have a dirty sports box suite. <laughs> Great, I, I'm I'm honestly like excited that you have Chargers tickets because like I obviously I'll get involved in this. I'll go to some Chargers games. I got with you. I got two tickets. Yeah, I don't watch enough college football to like have a really strong opinion on Herbert, but I like I do like the pick from them. There, they need a quarterback. 
They get the big arm West Coast kid. The, I, I feel like whether he is a great NFL quarterback or not, I feel like he's a he has a style of play that they can build a culture around. Like, let's let it fly. Like, let's chuck the ball downfield. Well, they got cool uniforms. They have great uniforms. It's a start. Yeah. Uh, I liked, and I texted you about it, uh, Simmons, who a lot of people were talking about the Giants maybe taking defense at, at four, goes to Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals are going to be a problem, and they're going to be a problem like relatively soon. They just keep adding guys who are like very versatile. I feel like they're going like new school NFL style. I don't know that this necessarily translates into winning a Super Bowl, but they're going to be sneaky. They're going to beat some NFC West teams next year in some games in Arizona. I, I mean, they they draft a guy who's played basically every position on defense besides the, the defensive line. They, they're going with the high-powered offense. They get Hopkins. I, I like that pick from, from Arizona. Their coach is is dressed like he. Their coach, yeah, is about to go to a nightclub in Scottsdale. Yeah, co- yeah, he's like, he's just waiting for the call from the VIP host saying that the table's ready and the Red Bulls and vodka have been poured, and then he will take his golf cart to the to the club. Uh, the two uh, wide receiver picks that fell, like I said, I think Judy to the Broncos and Lamb to the Cowboys, both great gets for those teams, especially. Uh, Lamb to the Cowboys. I know Tug was bonering out over that. How many weapons Dak has, and they'll still miss the playoffs next year while he puts up the greatest number? Like, we're going to have a real Kirk Cousins situation on our hands where they just keep franchising him for the next decade, and he somehow makes $300 million without ever getting a contract and without ever making the playoffs. It's going to be fun. I like the the pick of J.K. Dobbins for the Ravens because they already have Mark Ingram. They already have all those fast receivers and, of course, Lamar Jackson. I think now you have a one-two punch. J.K. Dobbins is fast as shit, and he's really good. Yeah. And it, it just, like, Ohio State guys are good in the NFL. Yeah. Like, like, like obviously, the SEC gets the headlines, deservingly so, because they had that many draft picks. But, I mean, did you see the stat? The first three picks... At one point, played for Ohio State, right? Obviously, including Joe Burrow. Yeah. But my point is, those guys, for the most part, I would say Ohio State guys, for the most part, are good in the NFL on, on all positions. I, I feel like for sure, good. Like that's the thing is, like you don't hear about a ton of the busts exactly from there. And and some of the guys over the years who, like, there have been guys over the years who you're like, he went to Ohio State, and then you have other guys who're like, okay, he was supposed to be great, but he ends up just being like. A contributor, but honestly, when you draft a guy in the NFL draft, if he becomes a contributing member of your team for five to six years, like I don't care if he was the second overall pick, that's a win. Yeah, like that's just the that's just the business in the NFL. Is like some guys can't hack it. No one except quarterbacks essentially plays ten years. Yeah, you know, I mean, we've we talked about it. Like the the fact that Michael Thomas, that Ohio State guy, you're like what? Yeah, like I don't even—I barely remember that. Um, the, I thought the Colts drafted really well. Uh, they get Pittman from SC, and then Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin. Yeah, who behind their offensive line will be great. And then, of course, they go and get Eason, 
uh, I believe, in the third round, right? Yeah. And so it's now, I don't know where the QB death chart breaks down, but we've got Rivers, what? Eason, and and J- Jacoby Brigoli. Why don't you just tag Tug next time in your tweet? What? Why? I'm not. Just, I mean, just because Tug, you know, thought extending Jacoby Brigol. Joe, we call that a subtweet. Oh, is that what we call it? That's a subtweet. I mean, just because Tug thought giving him thirty million when he was under contract for absolutely no reason, when they were clearly in the market for a quarterback and didn't believe in him, was a great move. So now the third quarterback on the Colts is the nineteenth highest paid quarterback in football. Is that, I think is that still good value? I'm gonna say it right now. I think the Colts won the division. Early, now, now they have a quarterback. Early prediction. Well, not just that. Like you said, they drafted well. Uh, I love Jonathan Taylor. He he was amazing at Wisconsin. And you're right behind that offensive line. And then Texans are a fiasco right now. Yeah, for sure. And. I like the Titans. I like Mike Vrabel, but I see like a hangover. Sure. I could see that too. Dude, I I mean, you're talking to a guy who believed that the Colts with Andrew Luck last year were a contender and then predicted that they would win six games when they didn't have a quarterback. So I am and and I am not a super Philip Rivers stand by any means. In fact, I think that the Colts, as I said last year, even if they're, you know, obviously my my big push was go get Eli Manning right now. He's available. Philip Rivers not available at the time. But my point being, even if you wanted a guy like Rivers, a.k.a. Manning, who, whoever, it should have been last year. So, like, there's one more year of wear on the Philip Rivers tires. But the idea that he's there for two years and then you have Eason – like I think the Colts are building to be the team in the in the AFC South for a couple years to come. Yeah. Um, the Jaguars, who were bad last year, I thought did draft pretty well. Um, they had two first round picks, and they go all defense. They're trying to get back to playing the defense that got them to the AFC Championship game uh, a couple years ago. I, I liked their first round picks. We already talked about. Uh, the cl- the crypt keeper coming back from the dead to pick the fastest running back, and uh, I think the other headlines that we have the Bucks get worse. Who uh, I thought the Giants might take it forward. Nice, nice uh, big offensive line from Iowa to to help protect a crypt keeper himself and Tom Brady. Um, and then the last one is the Patriots do not take a quarterback in the whole draft. I thought that was interesting. I know that they've got Jared Stidham. Yeah, the guy that they believe is. They did take a white supremacist kicker, which was interesting. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> he didn't have a swastika tattooed on him, but he basically did. D- did he? I mean. Did he? No, I'm being serious. Did he? Di- I mean, if you re- if you read, I mean, do you read the, like the the idea that he was confused about what that means? It's like. Are you getting tattoos that you're confused about? What does the tattoo mean? Because I, because when I see things from Jamel Hill, who wants to I didn't even read the Jamel Hill thing, but she, like she cries racism in every sure. drop of the hat. Sure, so of course I, she does. I just tune those things out. And 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 Jamel Hill also says that you know uh, that he got the tattoo put on him by Donald Trump, who was a tattoo artist for the day because he was drinking bleach or something like. Don't, trust me, I'm not. I, I believe. 
and this is wh- why I consider myself a very middle of the road nonpartisan. I believe I have both Jameel Hill and Donald Trump blocked on Twitter. So I don't see any of that shit. So what's but a, what's a three percenter? It's it's basically a white supremacist group. They're like, oh, we believe in you know the Second Amendment and and gun rights and whatever. But it's it's like one of those. It's it's like saying, oh, I believe you know in pro choice, so I'm an Antifa. It's like we we know what you guys are really about. And also, again, you got it tattooed on you. We're not talking about like. He he liked their Facebook page. I know, but I would have to read more up on it. I'll be honest. Um, also, who cares? He's the kicker for the Patriots. I'm just saying, it's not really super surprising. I don't think Bill Belichick knew what the tattoo meant before he drafted him. I I just I you know I, I'm 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 sensitive to people who just want to label stuff like racist or well let me let me ask you a question it's not a matter of like i think if you're tattooing something on your body like you wouldn't get this tattooed on your body these days right like you wouldn't get like this is just when i grew up this was just like okay good job i i also remember like nba players doing this is like they They, shot a three they still do okay so i'm saying that doesn't mean white power but but would you get this tattooed on you well i wouldn't get any tattoo my point is even if I shot a lot of threes in the NBA, I wouldn't get that tattooed on me these days for fear of being called a white supremacist. I know, but I, I again, you see so much shit out there, and uh, I mean that's why, like for me, it's just like social media is just so bad. Like, like I, I read a, I briefly perused, I should say, a whole tweet thread on this guy, and it's like one of the things is. Oh my God! He attended a Jordan Peterson seminar, and this guy's like, "Well, Jordan Peter," it's like, dude, you don't know shit about Jordan Peterson. Read his fucking books. Like, he's he's not a white supremacist at all. Like, like people just want to say stuff because it's attention grabbing, and they just want to make blanket statements. And like, I'm like, I hate that. That's what I hate the most of like the age we live in. So. Like, for me, I want to do research on something, if that makes sense. I'm not saying what you're saying isn't true, but... What I'm not saying... By the way, I'm saying the Jordan Peterson neither here nor there, but it's like, again, where there's smoke, there's fire. Like Sometimes. Usually. <laughs> That's where the phrase comes from. No, I know, but I'm saying when, when certain people, again, like a Jamel Hill... It's not like, I don't think anybody's going, he went to a Jordan Peterson thing. He's a white supremacist. I think they're going, like, he has a 3% percenter tattoo and he's got a he's got the you know high and tight fucking richard whatever side part haircut and he went to a jordan peterson thing it's like you're adding all these things together my thing is a lot of these people again who make blanket statements like her i would love to talk like i feel like i could pick her argument apart because it's all just based that's why I that's why I block the people like on Twitter. Like I don't need I never need to hear from Jamil Hill. I never need to hear from Sean King. I never need to hear from Donald Trump. I never need to like if if this is something that gets shared to me all the time and I just go, Well, I don't care I I never need to hear Skip Bills. Skip Bills, yeah blocked. So all the time I'll see tweets of people quote tweeting something and then it says unavailable to me. Because I'm like, oh, I've blocked that. Or they've blocked me. Can I, uh, 
say one last thing about the draft. Sure. About my hometown team. It's really disappointing that Joe Burrow is just allowing himself to be drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. It, I mean, I'm being serious. It it really he seemed is. excited about it though. It, re- it it would, but it's sad. You think he should have gone the Elway Eli route? Yes, a hundred percent. And it's even more sad to see somebody like Mel Kiper Jr. defending the Cincinnati Bengals. Did you see this clip, dude? Me, I mean, Mel Kiper Jr. Is on the list, the, the list of people that I just mentioned. But he is. Mel Kiper Jr. was sitting in a, in, a, in front of a green screen. He had like, did you did you see the background Mel Kiper Jr. was working with? What? Where is Mel Kiper? That he couldn't have his natural background. That's what I want to know. Is that some sort of like? Is there some sort of like Silence of the Lambs type of like, you know? torture chamber that's happening behind him. Why is Mel Kuyper have some weird green screen that has a Notre Dame football on a stand, a fake picture of like the Brooklyn bridge on the wall, a bunch of like, it was the weird, a fake computer screen with just ESP, just the ESPN logo on it. It was the weirdest thing ever. Where is Mel Kuyper that he can't just be sitting in his library? Did you see what Mel Kuyper Jr. said? To defend the Cincinnati Bengals. As Every a, single time Mel Kuyper was talking, I was looking at the background of this room. As an organization, he he def, he defended the entire organization on the Stephen A. Smith show, and it's like I somebody sent me a clip of it, and it's just it's 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 repulsive to see. He's like the Bengals aren't nearly as bad as everybody says they are. Like you know, he's bringing up they made five playoffs recently in a row. It's like, dude. He literally cited, as far as examples of a good organization, the Super Bowls that they made in 1981 and 88. But again, Mel Kuyper Jr. at this point it's like, has, dude, these are these are 30 plus years ago. I mean, I, I saw the tweet, I forget who put it out the day of the draft, is saying that <clears throat> we're eight years removed from his guarantee that Jimmy Clausen will be like a starting quarterback in the NFL in 10 years or will quit his job. Yeah, I saw like, that. Like Mel Kuyper Jr. at this point, and I'm I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying that everybody's going to nail every draft pick, but Mel Kuyper Jr. has a long list of L's at this point, right? He's basically the Floyd Mayweather gif at this point, where he's just getting thrown at him. Yeah. Well, back to the point of Joe Burrow, it's it's disappointing because I just want to see more people stand up to awful organization but i think and and i don't even think joe burrow would have had to go the elway eli route i think he could have made it semi he i think if he had shown any sort of hesitation whatsoever in wanting to go to the bengals they had an easy selection of chase young arguably the best player in the draft anyway yeah playing in ohio i think they could have easily made that switch but joe burrow seems to be pretty darn excited about playing for the Bengals. He had his Athens, Ohio, you know, t-shirt on. He was, he's, he's got the state flag on his shirt. Like he's there. He's, he's loving it. He went to Ohio state. He wanted to be in Ohio. Again, I wish him luck. Cause I think he's a good, he's a great, he was a great college player and I think he's a good kid, but man, 
Like I, it's funny. You just you see Bengals stands. Like the the fandom we talk about on our show of of local team. It's just it's delusional. They're like, look at the weapons. He's got AJ Green. He's got Joe Mixon. He you know, you know he's, they're listing these. It's like, dude, he still has a dipshit owner. That that doesn't change. It doesn't change overnight. I think uh, the, uh, I saw I think twenty one and a half over under twenty one and a half touchdown passes for Joe Burrow. You're one. It's basically one. It's less than one and a half a game. Hmm. I'm gonna go under. What about you? I don't know. It's a good number. I'll have to think about. It. But but like well, you figure, you got the Steelers twice. Yeah. You got the Ravens twice. But I I feel like the Bengals. Definitely start him day one because they're that like I, I, it's probably not in their best interest, but they're going to right. Yeah, yeah. And is he wearing nine? Is that the is that the number? That was Palmer's number. I don't know. Yeah, I think he might. I think he might be just going full Palmer, face Palmer. We got to discuss uh, our boy Jameis Winston. Oh yeah, speaking of face palming quarterbacks. Jameis Winston reportedly to the Saints. Has this uh, been official yet? Because this is uh, this is uh, to me it was interesting that it was so talked about like it was a done deal, but still as of this morning not a done deal. I I was I was sort of interested in that because usually when Schefter tweets something, it happens like. Pretty soon after. We're now a day and a half. Because it happened sort of overnight yesterday. And as of this morning, still not a done deal. Yeah, I'm looking. Now, I know there's some compensatory picks, but that was like 4 p.m. Eastern. Well, we we have have a lot of stuff. And one is saying the Steelers never offered him a deal. Right. So there's a lot of headlines. He passed up more money. Well, I believe the thing I saw also on the passed up more money is that the Steelers have eighty five thousand more dollars in salary cap room than the Bucks have, meaning that both of them are slim on salary cap money, which means both of them aren't offering him a ton of money. But also the idea Let's say he let's say they maxed both maxed out what they could offer him. The fact of him turning down eighty five thousand more dollars, not really passing on a bigger deal from the Bucks, right? I mean, that could be the difference in state income tax. That could be the difference in moving out of the South to Pittsburgh when he doesn't have to move out of the South to play in New Orleans. Like they're eighty five thousand dollars. It's a lot of money for me, but not a lot of money in an NFL contract difference. Also, kind of neither here nor there with Jameis, the Bucks, the Steelers. He's getting a one-year deal to be a backup quarterback. That's where we're at with Jameis Winston. He's not, as some people predicted, getting a record-setting, definitely bigger than Goff deal because he's more talented than Goff. He's accomplished a more than Goff. He's the greatest quarterback under the age of 26. He's thrown the most touchdowns for any quarterback. Like, there are 
you know, you know, you all know who we're talking about. Who's guaranteed he would be a starter this year. Well, they also re-signed Taysom Hill. Right. But at this point, it seems like, and I don't really understand why the Saints are doing this, because they re-signed Taysom Hill and they gave him a bunch of money. They've basically admitted that Taysom Hill is worth that money to them to do the job that he did last year, which is to play one play every two possessions. Special teams. Special teams. Like, it seems like they're overvaluing financially what Taysom Hill brings to the team. $16 million guaranteed, $21 million overall. That seems reckless for a guy. It, that doesn't seem reckless if Taysom Hill is doing what he did for you last year and he is replacing Teddy Bridgewater as your backup quarterback. But he is, that does seem like a rec- reckless financial decision if he's only doing that and you're still having to sign somebody to be the backup. Well, I'm going to say this much about the Jameis Winston signing. The first thing is stop comparing this to Teddy Bridgewater. Just stop. The, the Teddy Bridgewater situation versus Jameis Winston, for anyone out there, and I've seen a lot of idiots do this, there's no comparison. Bridgewater was a starter on the Vikings, shredded his knee, he bounced around the Jets, the Saints, as a backup, a journeyman backup, for a quick minute. Jameis Winston was the number one overall pick, started for five years, basically, minus a few games for the Bucks. So there's no comparison. Stop saying that there's no comparison at all. I don't want to hear that because it's just, it's not a comparison. The second thing is, everyone's saying, oh, well, they're, they're grooming Jameis. There's no indication of that. Sean Payton has been very adamant that he thinks Taysom Hill could be the future quarterback of the Saints. I don't believe him, though. And that's fine. I, because then why are you signing other quarterbacks? Fair enough. But my point is this. Drew Brees— Because he's not second on the depth chart. Because he's not taking the snaps when Drew Brees goes down. That, that just seems like a lie to me. Drew Brees— could play a couple more years. And Drew Brees could get hurt, and Jameis Winston could be starting week four next year. The bigger question for me is— tell, tell me about this real quick. You know we'd all want to—you talk about must-see TV. I mean, there there was a great stat that was out that Jameis Winston has completed more passes to the New Orleans Saints than Taysom Hill has. Yeah, I saw it. Fantastic stat. Ten to seven. Tell me you don't want to see this. We all want to see this. Tom Brady starting for the Bucks. Jameis Winston starting for the Saints, heads back to Tampa Bay. Oh, you know you want to watch that. I like the New Orleans Saints as like an organization. I like their uniforms. I like a lot of their players. I like I love the city of New Orleans. But I gotta say, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Sean Payton grossly overrated. Grossly overrated, and stuff like this is one of the reasons why. Cool. You put up crazy offensive numbers, playing in a dome, throwing the ball around a ton. You got to one Super Bowl. You won it. You haven't been back since. You've choked away a lot of playoff games. And you make reckless personnel decisions. But let me ask you this. When you say Sean Payton's grossly overrated, where is Drew Brees without Sean Payton? Where is Tony Romo without Sean Payton? I mean, these are these are two guys 
that he groomed to become extremely successful. And by successful, you mean statistically successful? Yes. Okay. The Again, the quarterback who's thrown for the most yards to win the Super Bowl is Eli Manning. How about this comp, Joe? And Let's see, let's see how you're not going to like it, but I'm going to do it. Sean Payton is the Mike D'Antoni of the NFL. It it's, it's be, be, because if you look at the the, the, the only reason that's a, a disrespectful comp is because the rest of the NFL isn't playing Sean Payton's offense. The rest of the NFL isn't like we are doing this where we're going to try to have our quarterback throw for 5,000 yards and win the Super Bowl, and, and we're going to build a team that's the way Sean Payton does it. Now, there are certainly aspects of Sean Payton's offense that are used around the league, but that's, you know, it's like saying, uh, you know, Sean Payton throws a lot of screens and Andy Reid throws a lot of screens. Well, the okay. reason I say that is you look at, because we're talking about stats. Look at the stats under guys who played under Mike D'Antoni and look at the stats, again, like I just referenced two quarterbacks that have played under Sean Payton. Well, I think I think what I think a more and both, viable comparison is is not comparing is comparing a Sean Payton quarterback to a Mike D'Antoni point guard. That might be a more that's a that's a way more viable if you if you are the quarterback in Sean Payton systems, your numbers are gonna go up. If you're the Quarter, if you're the point guard in Mike D'Antoni's system, you're going to be an MVP candidate. The The difference between D'Antoni and Peyton is Peyton has had arguably plenty of talent to compare. Like, he's had good defenses. He has good running backs. He has good receivers. He has Drew Brees. Like, he's not, he's not taking... Sean Peyton's not going around and being like, give me the Dolphins, I'll turn them into a a playoff team. Mike D'Antoni, again, is criticized for not winning a championship, but Mike D'Antoni is criticized for not winning a championship because he kind of gets close with teams he never should have in the first place. So that's like, it, you know, it's a double-edged sword with D'Antoni. D'Antoni gets criticized for injecting himself into a conversation that his talent on his rosters says he shouldn't be in, whereas Sean Payton is has talent and goes to playoff games and loses to teams that are less talented. Well, I think the Jameis Winston signing maybe shows, I don't know if I want to say a false confidence, but it shows that Peyton thinks he can turn this guy around, maybe in the long term, whereas another offensive respected coach in the Arians couldn't. Does that make sense? Like Maybe he feels like, hey. But also... I can limit the turnovers. But also, he could be like, I know Jameis can throw for 5,000 yards, and that's what we're doing here. Like, it may not be the thing that leads you to a Super Bowl in the NFL, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing it. Like, Breeze is thrown for a ton of yards. And they've got one Super Bowl to show for it. But there is no lack of gaudy passing stats in New Orleans. No, I know, but let's not forget how hard it is. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has won Super Bowl. Like, it's, yeah. it's really hard to win multiple. That's a very short list of quarterbacks who've won multiple Super Bowls. But they've also appeared in one Super Bowl. And they've also, like, Br the Breeze-Payton pairing 
has been there significantly longer than the Rodgers-Packers pairing. And also, we all agree that Mike McCarthy fucked up Aaron Rodgers' career, and he has one Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl in spite of Mike McCarthy, right? Don't we all agree that at this point? That the fact that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a second Super Bowl isn't an Aaron Rodgers problem? I mean, I guess there are some people that are critical, but I would say proof is in Mike McCarthy getting you know shot from a cannon and then immediately winning 13 games with a guy who's never coached in the NFL before and sounds like the defenseman for the Calgary Flames. Matt LeFleur comes in and they win 13 games? Like, I, I mean, I would just argue you're not going to appear in another Super Bowl. Like, because a lot of people treat Sean Payton like he's the cream of the crop. Okay, well, where do we put him then? Let's just get to it. As far as NFL coaches go? Yeah, let's... Let, let, well, let, I think... Let, let's give our top tier, and then where do you put Sean Payton? I think that a lot of guys... Here's what I'll say. I think that there are coaches in the NFL who probably, who at this point in their coaching career don't have the success of Sean Payton, but they're still better coaches. Like who? Frank Reich. Although suspect as hell. You I, know. I would completely disagree with that. Okay. So, so if I'm looking at coaches off the top of my head, obviously Bill Belichick, right? Andy Reid? Andy Reid's up there for me. Top five. McVay? No. Because why? Because he got because the one Super Bowl he got to in like year two, he didn't win it? He hasn't done enough. So I would have Right, but that's what that's ex- precisely my point. So they're never gonna have a resume of a guy who's been coaching for twenty years. Well hold on. Let me let me just let me just finish this list. So I'd have Belichick, Andy Reid, Shanahan, Pete Carroll. Not ready to put Shanahan. Shanahan goes from a four and whatever team to the Super Bowl in two seasons. He's been in he's been in as many Super Bowls as Sean Payton has. He's been coaching there three years. And then th- then you get into the question of so they have to have accomplished what? So is Doug Peterson better than Sean Payton? I don't think so. But also, I'm not giving him a. I'm not putting him in the argument just because he won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. In fact, I'll I'll weigh that as part of Frank Reich's argument. I mean, what's your list then? A list of what guys better than Sean Payton? Just give me yeah, give me five coaches you have above Sean Payton. Can you do that? Yeah, I just did. Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Pete Carroll. Shanahan and uh, Frank Reich. And I mean, I can keep going probably. Frank Reich. Wow. That's interesting. Based on what? Based on what? Based on him being the offensive coordinator for the Eagles team. That's what I was going to That puts up a ton of points, beats uh, Patriots with a backup. Based on going to the Colts, based on what he does. Like, I got to say, I think. You've got a question again, but he's not the GM. You've got a question again, Frank Reich, the the way that they approached last year. But again, Andrew Luck left. It is what it is. But like, 
I don't know how much say he has in extending Jacoby Brissett. And, you know, I criticized Brissett by saying Frank Reich didn't trust him in the way that they ran some of their plays down the stretch last year. But then I'm also like, yeah, I don't trust Jacoby Brissett. So maybe that just improves Frank Reich for me. What about Vrabel? What about, I don't know. But my point is, like, I just, to me, to say Sean Payton is great because he went to a Super Bowl. How long ago is that now? I mean, it's ten, Nine, 10 years ago, 10 years ago. But again, they're consistently good. I think this year is, a, is an example. Your starting quarterback goes down. They go undefeated under Teddy Bridgewater. Like to me, that's a sign of a good coach. The team doesn't completely fold. They not only win, they win every game. And then they lose a home game to the Minnesota Vikings. Fair enough. But I still think Sean Payton's a good coach. I I didn't say he's not a good coach. I just think he's overrated. This is this is basically my Russell Wilson argument all over again. Just because I think he's overrated doesn't mean I don't think he's good. Doesn't mean I don't think he's great. I just think people have Saint Sean Payton. I just think it's interesting that you're listing like like guys who are just so new that don't have the longevity. Like it's still to be determined. Like a like a Shanahan or a Sean McVay. A Shanahan again. A Shanahan goes in. Another guy goes into New Orleans last year for for their losses last year. Goes into New Orleans last year, beats them. This is a, this is a team that's put together. Uh, he's obviously had him and Lynch together have built this. I mean, there's not a ton of star power on that 49ers team. No. Meanwhile, they're in the Super Bowl. So if there's not a ton of star power and they're in the Super Bowl, who do you put that on? Obviously, that they were. Well, I think it's a. It is a combination of those things. They were very well put together. It, they're they're the definition of a team, especially defensively. I mean, they got after it. And look, the 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 league turns around very fast. The guys who just a couple years. I mean, how about how about John Harbaugh? Yeah, I, I can't believe you forgot him. He's top five for me. Okay, I'm I'm of the opinion also that Tomlin's overrated. So, but I bet you some people would argue that Tomlin's Tomlin's got a Super Bowl. Tomlin's got another Super Bowl appearance. I'm not a Tomlin defender, but if you're a Tomlin defender, could you make the argument that he's better than Sean Payton? I think they're good comparisons. I think they're good comparisons because I both think they're overrated. <laughs> we just need a season. That's all we need. Please. I, I Again, I just look at this Saints situation. Sean Payton is definitely has a great offensive mind. And he's definitely done some things with Drew Brees in terms of just, again, the gaudy passing numbers. He's now paying three quarterbacks, and he's paying them all. I'm assuming Jameis Winston's going to sign for what? Six million a year? Eight million. Like, Drew Brees gets paid a lot. They just gave Taysom Hill guaranteed money, and they're saying, like, you can't play all these quarterbacks, dude. We'll see. I don't know. Let's talk last dance. Yes.
What were your takeaways? I mean, so we start from the beginning. The beginning is basically it's the the episode three. We had episodes three and four last night. Episode three is essentially the Rodman episode. I got to say, I was a little disappointed in the Rodman episode. They gave us a couple fun nuggets. He's slamming Miller lights and then driving his motorcycle within seconds of each other. That's reckless. I would not advise. I tend to drink my Miller lights in the safety and security of my own home, or certainly with the designated driver waiting he, to take me. Dennis was drinking. He, I put that screenshot. He drank a Miller. He was drinking a Miller light right after they played the game. Yeah. And the and the cops just watched him drink a Miller Lite and then let him get on it. But I got to say, I was a little disappointed. Now, to be fair, I'm an NBA super freak. I've watched the Bad Boys 30 for 30. I've watched the Rodman 30 for 30. Both great 30 for 30s. We've covered, at this point, a lot of the Dennis Rodman stories. Fascinating. But... I was hoping to get more of the Dennis Rodman from the Phil Jackson, Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan point of view. They really, they gave you one, they give you one fun nugget, right? He demanded a vacation mid-season and went to Vegas. That was like the one, otherwise it was like very, I don't know, I feel like they were like, and he dated Madonna, and he dyed his hair. It's like, we did an hour on Scottie Pippen's like upbringing, we met 15 guys from the Central Arkansas basketball but team. But again, I think because ESPN had already done a 30 for 30 on Dennis Rodman, which is one of my favorites. I really recommend everybody watch that. It's so good. I mean, Dennis Rodman is he's become to me one of my favorite all-time players. I'll be I'll be honest. The more I learn about him, Dennis Rodman did not play basketball until age 20. Think about this. He didn't play basketball in high school. He was homeless for a couple years. He grew. And what I find fascinating about Dennis is he goes to some small school. What is it? Southeast Oklahoma State. He averages like 25 points a game there. He then completely changes how he plays as a player in the NBA. It's all defense, all rebounding. Yeah, and he even changed... Over the course of the NBA, he was like he was definitely a motor guy. He was an energy guy. He was a defense rebounding guy from the Pistons. He then even took the rebounding thing to like a next level where he's like, I'm going to be the league's best rebounder, which he talks about, like just practicing rebounds and angles and all that. He even post bad boys Pistons, the end of the bad boys Pistons into the Spurs, into the Bulls. He was just like, I'm going to rebound. And that's it. And I talked about it on the last episode. Just There was a time. There was the, the nationally televised Spurs games and the Spurs playoff games where you're like, is he going to grab 40 rebounds and walk off the court and never play basketball again? This is exciting. Uh, that was when he really did that. But he was certainly a great defensive player. Two-time defensive player of the year. Here's a fun fact. They said on SportsCenter last night. The only people in NBA history to have multiple championships and multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards. Dennis Rodman, can you name the other two? Multiple championships. And multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards. There's only three all time. Kawhi? Kawhi is number two. And there's the third. And multiple championships. Hakeem. You got it. Good. Very good, Joe. Hakeem Kawhi. 
and Dennis Rodman, the only three to do that, which that's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's to be to be a multiple defensive player of the year is something else on its own. You know what I mean? Because uh, there's plenty of guys who have multiple championships and are part of championship teams. But normally, if you're that guy, like a Kawhi, like I mean, just look at Kawhi and Hakeem. They're also the best player on their team. Yeah. Kawhi goes from being the defensive guy to growing into the best player on the Spurs after guys age out to going into for sure being the best player on the Raptors, the best player on this Clippers team. Hakeem's obviously the best player on the Rockets the whole time. Dennis Rodman is winning, is helping teams win championships by being the defensive player of the year. Yeah. I mean, he's fat. Like, again, he's fascinating to me and, they go through that in the 30 for 30, how when he showed up to the Spurs, that was the first time he shows his hair is bleached and he, you know, has the whole alter ego. And he, Which if you go in, if you watch the Bad Boys doc and you watch the Rodman 30 for 30, the Chuck Daly father, yes. like the whole thing that this obviously is a Bulls documentary and really, let's be honest, it's a Michael Jordan documentary. The whole thing that this sort of glosses over that is why I was like, oh, they didn't really give us as much of Rodman as I thought, is like, they even gloss over like, oh, then he was outside the palace at Auburn Hills with a gun. He was going to kill himself. It's like, guys, we do, you know, like, again, we're going so in-depth on things. We're just glossing over. Dennis Rodman almost killed himself outside of his own basketball arena. He had this thing with Daly. Daly really turned him in and going like, be this guy. This, you could be a, Hall of Fame NBA player if you play this way. He was like a dad to him. And when Daly leaves the Pistons, like, and and other guys, uh, I believe it was Mahorn, other guys that were bad boys that, that get shipped around, he really felt like, and, and you see this with Rodman, he he's kind of a weird guy, but, like, even the shot of him and Phil Jackson being friends, he takes this, like, his basketball, like, you, you always talk about sports like it's a business. He really takes it like it's a family. He treats these guys like Robin has this like soft side to him where like he wants to be your friend. When the bad boys pissed and started to shake up, he if you look, watch these other documentaries, he couldn't even comprehend. He didn't understand the business end. That guys were leaving. Yeah. He's like, what do you ta- like? What do you mean? I mean, it is fascinating. Yeah, Chuck Daly was basically his dad. Robin didn't know his dad. Do you know the story of his dad? His dad supposedly has, his dad is in the Philippines. His dad supposedly has like 50 kids. Yeah. Something insane. He didn't know his dad. Chuck Daly took him in. Dennis Rodman, when he was drafted in his first few years, he was drinking orange juice. Yeah. He was never doing, he had never drank alcohol. He had never done drugs. He didn't do any of that stuff. And you're right. And he didn't fully understand it. And in a way, Phil Jackson, and they didn't really, they kind of explain it, but not in detail. Phil Jackson was Chuck Daly number two for him, but in a different way. Yeah. Because he was older, and Phil Jackson accepted Dennis Robin for who he was. And to Jordan and Pippen's credit, they all agreed that they did too. Like, they accepted Dennis for who Dennis was. And let's just talk about that. There's a couple of things, you know, and... Again, this is a very pro 
Jordan and Pro Bowls documentary. This like there's definitely some final cut aspects of this with Michael Jordan. A lot of things get glossed over that don't make the Bulls look as good as they would, you know, like th- like we didn't get until this episode that the Bulls got swept in that Celtic series. They're like, oh, by the way, they lost the year before in a sweep. Like, there's a lot of things. And they, to be honest, they also skipped over. The Bulls lost three straight years to the Pistons. They only showed two of them. They didn't show. Yeah, they, they didn't, didn't show. They they lost in '88 four one. They lose in '89 four two. They really focus mostly on they lose in '90 game in seven. Game Seven. Yeah, and they do this whole Scottie Pippen migraine thing and blah 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 whatever. But yeah. The 88 boat raced. 89, Jordan shoots 46% in the series, and people love to shit on LeBron. Shot 75% from the line. People forget all this stuff because Michael Jordan would never miss free throws, and how can you be the GOAT if you can't make 85% of your free throws, and blah, 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 blah. They were beating up Jordan, no doubt about it, and by beating him up and by him having to do absolutely everything, he was going to the line, he was tired of shooting 75% of his free throws. Either way, they get boat raced. They get a little closer. It was definitely a maturation of that Bulls team to the point where they go. But, and we'll talk, we'll go down the whole Isaiah path, I think, here. And the walking off the court and the hatred. And this is why Isaiah is not on the dream team. And and in the 90s and the 80s, these guys weren't all going out and golfing together in playoff series. They were, but don't forget, Ange and Jordan. And they're not going on banana boats and whatever. We see in this doc, Dennis Rodman straight up shoved Scottie Pippen from behind, recklessly and blatantly tried to hurt him. Yeah, it was bad. The Bulls welcome him with open arms. Like this whole Jordan and Pippen and Bird, they would never go. Yeah, well, they didn't have to go find super teams. They were the Chicago Bulls. They'd won three times. They lost... Horace Grant to the Magic. Horace Grant proceeds to smack them around in the 95 playoffs and get carried off by the Orlando Magic on their shoulders, which I'm assuming comes next week. And we replace him with Dennis Rodman, hated rival who tried to injure us both for four consecutive years in the playoffs. Well, it is fascinating, especially for us who grew up with this. If, If you're a 90s is the best basketball player, you can't not watch this and say guys didn't join forces. That that's just factually incorrect. Like you're saying, it really is. I do like how the documentary shows that how the Bulls and Pistons was such a heated rivalry. Michael Jordan even says on this documentary that it might have been a bigger accomplishment, a bigger deal for them to beat the Pistons than it was the Lakers in their first title because that was their rival. Again. The Pistons had beat them three straight years in a row in the playoffs. And, and Rob, here's why I find Robin's and the, and the Pistons winning, going on to win two of those championships. Back-to-back. The Pistons win two. Here's why Robin's fascinating. You know what Robin is? He's, he's reverse KD in this sense. Yeah. He wins the titles, and then he goes and joins the team of the guys he used to beat the shit out of. It is reverse KD. Now, now, the Bulls trade for him, right? They trade Will Purdue to the Spurs. Like, Popovich was like, get Dennis Robin the fuck 
out of here. Was Popovich coaching then? I think he was. Or was he? It, was it Hill? Might have been. I forget who it was, but I think I thought there was a pop. I think Popovich. No. Maybe that. Maybe the, the second year or something like that. Because how how early on is Popovich? I mean, we're talking about ninety five. There's no way Popovich was coaching that. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. All right, so yeah, Bob Hill was the coach. Okay, Popovich came in '96. So the Spurs give him away for essentially nothing. Spurs yes. give him away for Purdue. Yeah. Okay. Um. So the Bulls trade for him, but you're clowning yourself. You're clowning yourself. You are putting on a big red nose, floppy shoes, and you and 40 of your friends are getting into a Volkswagen Beetle if you don't think that Jerry Krause, Jerry Reinsdorf, and Phil Collins, and Phil Jackson, Phil Collins, that would be hilarious. Phil Collins is a Chicago Bulls coach. It would be epic. And Phil Jackson, don't talk to Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan about the possibility of acquiring Dennis Rodman. You're clowning yourself. Well, they did. They said it in the documentary. Yeah, I know. Um, my point is, People out there going, what? Uh, uh, they weren't colluding. It's like, yeah, they absolutely were. They're like, we can get this guy who's wilding for nothing and bring him here to replace Horace Grant, who just beat you guys in the playoffs. Are you down for it? And they're like, absolutely. So, like, just get rid of all this, like, the super teams didn't happen. There's never been more hated rivals. And I think it showed that. Yeah. I mean, again, they beat them three straight years in a row. We don't have KD throwing Steph Curry into the stands. <laughs> I mean, that that shove on Scottie Pippen. And I want to address that. Anybody, here's what I love about basketball. And, and I would say all sports. The, the beauty of the game has never been better. And I think the same when I watch some of these formations and plays that you see in the NFL. It's the same thing. The beauty of sports has never been better. It's never been played at a higher, more just fluid level. You watch these highlights, and I'm sorry, but I'll just say, you watch these highlights of the bad boys. It's not basketball. I mean, it is basketball. It's them competing in a way that was within the rules and like whatever, but... It's certainly not it's certainly not as skilled of basketball as today. But again, th- they weren't the most talented team, but they found a way to win within the rules of the game. No, and I get that. And that's what the Knicks certainly tried to do with the the way that they tried to build their own version of the Bad Boys to try to beat Jordan after that. No, and I get that. But I'm kind of just bringing it back to that era of basketball versus this era. That's all, that's all I want to bring up because if I see one more stupid fucking tweet about whether it's LeBron or any of these guys, just stop it. Stop talking because the the guys would be able to bully right back. I, I actually looked it up out of curiosity. Not a single player from those Pistons back-to-back title teams weighed as much as LeBron weighs right, now. Right, right. No, it's not even close. Like, Bill Ambeer, the guy who's the enforcer... Is like is, 225, yeah, 230. Yeah, 
No, it's a joke. And the, the idea of like, oh, they're going to shove KD around. Like, okay, KD's not coming anywhere near the paint. He's a seven-footer who's going to bang threes on you the whole time. Like, what? Like, okay, KD's not going to be able to get layups? Great. Don't need him. He doesn't need him. Steph, Steph Curry, I yeah, mean. He's just jacking threes. Yeah, what are we talking about? And and also, the you know, the idea of that's just the way you needed to play then. It's like, dude, Reggie Miller was a five-time All-Star. He hung out on the perimeter. He ran off screens. He shot threes. Like, Mitch Richmond was an all-star. He ran around on the perimeter. He shot threes. Like, it's not like you had to – this was the only way to achieve in the NBA. It's just that's the way – that's the way the Pistons fought their way through the East. And that was and, – and certainly for the Pistons to lose to the Lakers, then beat the Lakers, like, that was a way for them to go – we're not going to run Showtime against the Lakers. We're not going to score more points than Michael Jordan. How do we beat Jordan? And then how do we beat the Showtime Lakers? This is the strategy that we use. I mean, it, what this documentary is really showing is just how how well put together the Chicago Bulls were. Obviously, there's Jordan. I did like how they highlighted when Phil takes over from Doug Collins where it was all centered around Jordan and Phil brings the triangle and how you got to trust your teammates, which obviously you see in the playoffs and you see with whether it's John Paxson or Steve Kerr, the ga- these game-winning threes. And even obviously they show the Lakers series where he's just feeding Paxson. Exactly. And they show that. Can we can we go back one second? Uh, Craig Elo gets slandered in this by Ron Harper. Ron Harper the, trashes Elo in the, the, the he's, he's like this fucking bullshit. Craig Elo is definitely one of the poster childs for like God. This was '90s basketball. This guy's a mullet guarding Michael Jordan. But I, you, you got to give credit where credit's due. Jordan double clutches that jumper. Like how much better defense did you want Craig Elo to put on him in that fucking situation? Gets his hand in his face. Jordan double clutches and hits that shot. Like I I uh, I'm on the Craig Elo. This is the guy who's guarding Michael Jordan in the 90s playoffs. But I'm also like, how much better do you want him to do? Ron Harper, take it easy. It's pretty funny, though. Yeah. But Ron Harper just murdering. Obviously, Ron Harper, is he's sitting down in these interviews. He's going to talk about their three-peat that he was a part of uh, on the second go-around after he sustained some injuries. And he was a, he was a great player himself. And then he was, you know, he's injured and he comes in and he's like a more of a role player for the Bulls. But for him to just take a shot at Elo, Elo got him to, Elo gets him to hang in the air. I don't know, I don't know much how much more Ron Harper wanted him to do. I gotta look up Elo's stats. I mean, he yeah he was. What, what what year was that? That was 90. 89-90? Yeah. Or 90-91? 89-90. Yeah, Elo was averaging 13 points a game, so he was he was decent. I mean, forget de- – I don't even care. I don't even care. I don't care if that was Craig Elo's only time on the court in his whole NBA career. He got him a double clutch. He gets a running, sliding, free-throw line jumper that he has to hang in the air. By the way. How much better do you want Craig Elo to do? My my hair. Sometimes you gotta tip the hat to the guy who made the shot. My hair is nearing nearing 
that Elo mullet stage. What's amazing, the 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 biggest, you know, sacrilege to Craig Elo. Craig Elo then goes on to be on Jordan's security team later on. <laughs> <laughs> he becomes one of the Sniff brothers. Sniff brother adjacent. Did you see that guy who was in the Sniff Brothers with the mullet and the mustache? Oh, yeah. With the mayor's curly mullet? Oh, yeah. No, but back to my point. I mean, we got to remember how well put together these Bulls teams were. You you had the greatest player in the league. You had Scottie Pippen, who ends up being a top 30 all-time player. All-time. You have arguably the best coach of all time. Like... You really had some pieces that fit well, that everything just meshed. I mean, again, you got to, you know, I would assume that that was sort of the Phil Jackson episode too, right? We're not probably not getting a whole lot more on. Well, you, you for sure, number four for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's got, he's got Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman doing yoga. I, I, I tweeted, I was like, he must've been microdosing the Gatorade. Like, how are you getting Dennis Rodman? Dennis Rodman's there in skids. Dennis Rodman's there in pajama pants. You got him doing yoga. Like, it's definitely, when you look at Phil Jackson, the whole personality manager thing and the handling each of these guys differently and the way, I mean, Phil Jackson's done some sort of interesting things in his coaching career too. Like, the whole thing with the Jordan rules. I don't know if you know the whole thing about, like, He's giving off the record quotes and then blaming him on like some other guy. Like he's playing his own mental games throughout the years with these guys. Some, some of them, not all, they're not all super positive Zen master. Like I'm your best friend kind of shit. But Phil Jackson takes the text winner triangle, gets Michael Jordan to participate in it. Certainly uses Scotty Pippen as his point forward brings in on the second go around, you know, Rodman and manages his personality to take, the horse grant role and to take it to this whole other level where they go on and win 72 games. But like Phil Jackson, his, his greatness and his hall of fame stature is in his management of personalities. It's, it's honestly like unmatched across sports. Yeah. No one's ever had bigger egos. And that, that's the thing that you, we have to also talk about this bulls team does not exist today. In 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 today in the social media era and the in the everybody's got a cell phone like the everybody's got a cell phone picture of Rodman in Vegas while he's supposed to be at a game. Two hundred girls have photographs of a sleeping Michael Jordan after they met up on Tinder and had sex with him in a hotel room. Scottie Pippen's definitely subtweeting his contract issues from burner accounts, a la KD, like. This whole thing explodes if it happens today. There's no way any of this is possible. And that's why people love to like shit on these guys today. It's like you have no idea what your teams would have been like. I'll just say it. Zero percent chance if social media exists that the Bulls have six championships. Zero percent. Just just doesn't happen. Scottie Pippen never comes back because the whole internet tells him he's a fucking pussy. Rodman, I mean, Rodman just never comes back from Vegas. Like, Deadspin's just got him, like, taking kamikaze shots at a nightclub. Get real. Yeah. That is part of, you know, 
LeBron's greatness, Steph Curry's greatness, Kawhi's greatness, is some of those guys' ability to stay out of it. KD obviously had his thing. Steph's wife saying the NBA is rigged. Kyrie's, you know, like there are guys who haven't managed to pull themselves out. Aaron Gordon is dropping Dwayne Wade diss tracks in the middle of the night during a pandemic over a lost dunk contest. But if you don't think Michael Jordan's got a burner account on Twitter, I'm not sure Michael Jordan doesn't currently have a burner account on Twitter. I'm not sure I haven't argued with Michael Jordan about the Jordan-LeBron goat argument on Twitter. Yeah, and I tweeted that too. Like, in particular, talking about these Robin stories. You're never going to hear this again. Like, it's a moment of time that we're never going to see again. That Dennis Rodman could just freely go to Las Vegas and party without somebody taking a picture. I mean, this shit just, it, it's, it's just, it's everywhere. Yeah. And, and the social media age is like nuts. And like, that, that, that goes back through all sports. I mean, can you imagine if there was cell phone video? Mickey Mantle falling down the steps after leaving a bar and that's how he hurt his knee, not in some fictional like sewer that's randomly planted in right field at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> like <laughs> like the, none of this stuff would ever happen. But, you know, I, I think the, the thing is just to appreciate the world that was then and also appreciate the guys that now s- remain out of the fray. Yeah. You got to pretty, you got to, you got to live pretty squeaky clean not to have a, a story about you. Also, since we're doing that, Dennis Rodman, load management pioneer. Another another nineties uh That's what Donovan Mitchell tweeted. Oh, did he? Yeah. Another another nineties urban legend. Guys the difference between today and then is guys weren't skipping in. Dennis Rodman went to Phil Jackson said, I need a vacation. Legendary. We need to Show everybody what actually happened, though, you said about the Vegas. There is a clip. I believe it's from the Jalen and Jacoby show. The director of this podcast, of the documentary, goes on and says, Jordan didn't go get him in Vegas because everybody on Twitter was making the same joke. Uh, this is just Jordan's excuse to go to Vegas. Jordan's going to Vegas. Oh, Jordan's going to be the one that goes to Vegas to get Rodman. It was unclear in the documentary. It made it seem like he goes to Vegas. Then they asked Jordan, did he come back on time? He says, no, I had to go get him. If you go watch the Jalen Jacoby thing, uh, he basically says he goes to Vegas. He comes back. He still doesn't show up for practice. And Jordan's got to go across the street from the Bulls practice facility where he like apparently Rodman needed to live literally across the street (laughs) just to go to practice. And that was when Jordan showed up and pulls him out of bed where he was with Carmen Electra. And he even says that Jordan like claims to have grabbed him by like his nasal piercing and or his lip piercing and pulling him out of the room. Can we also talk about there being some sort of 90s Bulls fountain of youth? B.J. Armstrong looks younger than when he played. Michael Jordan's mom is 26. <laughs> Carmen Electra is 31. Like what? Like how? Why didn't why didn't no one involved in the 90s Bulls except for? Phil Jackson age. Horace Grant looks great. Horace Grant, I mean, Horace Grant looks like he ate a couple of the guys that played on the 90s Bulls, but otherwise, even Bill Cartwright. 
Bill Cartwright somehow looks younger now than when he played with the 90s Bulls. And I'm not kidding. Remember he used to go with the gray goatee? Yeah. Somehow his hair is now dark again? This is 30 years later. How is no one involved in the 90s Bulls aging? Is this some sort of Native American, Phil Jackson, peyote, fountain of youth, dosing? B.J. Armstrong is Benjamin Button. B.J. Armstrong literally could be playing high school basketball. Yeah. Is BJ Armstrong like using like Korean face creams? Like what is he like dabbing on a little eye stuff at night? Carmel is 48 years old. Cincinnati's finest, Carmel is, is she from Cincy? Princeton High School. Yeah, she's a Cincinnati girl. Horace Grant calling the Pistons a bunch of bitches. Oh my god, that was great. While wearing the NBA care shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm really hopeful. That we get some Horace Grant, like the 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 Horace Grant years, the post Horace Grant, that that's a storyline that I hope that they don't gloss over in this like let's just pump the bulls thing that they're doing. Well, I saw a preview. Oh, did you? They're going into Horace. Okay, because the, the the what happened is people were leaking stuff to the press about their team, the first three Pete and Michael to this day, is saying it was Horace. That what? He was leaking shit, internal okay. stuff from the team. Uh, and, during the first three-peat, you're saying? And Horace is denying it. Okay. And I saw a preview for the next. And is this what undoes the Horace on the Bulls? I'm assuming. Okay. Because what people don't talk about nearly enough, again, I know that there's the Jordan slurpers out there many of which just were not alive and did not watch the 90s and even some of them sam triple that were alive that have apparently forgotten about it jordan retires jordan comes back horace grant has since gone to the magic correct where he becomes an all-star correct the magic throttle the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan averaging 30 plus in the series in 95 Pippen or sorry, Penny Horace Grant, Shaquille O'Neal beat him in six games. And that is what spurs no pun intended. The Bulls to go out and go, we need to replace Horace Grant's defense and rebounding in the power forward position. Let's go get Dennis Rodman. I mean, Horace Grant was good guys. People forget his last year, I'm looking at it right now. Horace Grant's last year with the Bulls on the first three-peat. 15 points a game, 11 rebounds, yeah, three assists, 1.2 blocks. I mean, you you lost a guy. Again, you lost a 15-11 and 11 guy. Those are good numbers for the third guy. Yeah. On your squad. They... Kevin Lovish role. You're right. It's very similar. Fifteen and eleven. Those sound like Kevin Love's numbers when the when the I'm sorry when the Cavs won a title. Yeah. But Jordan did it all alone. And and here's the thing: no one does it alone. And then, in fact, when you lose Horace Grant, he joins another team, and he and he beats you guys. And they carry him off the court on their shoulders because he got revenge against a team that disrespected him and didn't appreciate him. 
And then they've got to go out and join forces with their most heated rival in the history of Scotty and Michael's career to come back and beat them. Let's not act like this shit has never happened before. Yeah. People believe what they want to believe. That's the problem. But it like again, I I watch all of this stuff and it makes me appreciate every single one of these guys. It makes me appreciate Jordan, it makes me appreciate Pippen, makes me appreciate Rodman, Horace Grant, it makes me appreciate Paxson and Kerr, it makes me appreciate Phil Jackson. But also if you watch it and and you you know, you've got to read between the lines a little again because they're pumping the bulls, but like they are making it very, very clear to you. There's no Jordan without Pippen. There's no three-peat, second three-peat without Rodman. I'm sure they're going to hopefully show you that there's no first three-peat without Horace Grant. Yeah. I mean, they are... Obviously, it's, it's a lot different because it's a different sport, but I, I see how this Bulls team won six titles, and it, it's very... New England Patriots-esque. You know, you have your Phil Jackson slash Bill Belichick. You have your Jordan slash Tom Brady. And it's it's you have other pieces around it. Now, obviously, Brady's had a lot of different pieces. But, I mean, the constant was always Jordan, Scotty, and Phil. Yeah. And when, and when Jerry Krause says, I'm not bringing back Scotty or Phil... Suddenly, Michael Jordan wasn't wasn't as firm on his. I'm gonna defend my title as long as I hold it. Suddenly, Jordan was like, "You know what? You're right. I should also. I'm gonna go." Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. But you said you were gonna defend your title as long as you had the title. It's like, yeah, but you know, I don't want to play uh, w- w- without Phil. Yeah, I won't play for any other coach besides Phil. You want to hear something crazy? So I was looking last night out of curiosity. So when Jordan, guys, Jordan retired at age 34. That was the final retirement. Yeah. No, that was, sorry, that was the second retirement. The second of three, correct? Correct. That was the post-97, 98. Jordan retired at 34. LeBron's 35 now. That's just what I found interesting. Yeah. Like, like. He retired after the second three-peat at 34. LeBron's 35 now. LeBron didn't take the 18 months off in the middle. And LeBron started three years earlier. Correct. LeBron's got a lot more mileage on him. A lot more mileage. Now, LeBron doesn't have the killer instinct of quitting in the middle because he was tired and couldn't do it anymore. He has the play three years more, don't take the time off in the middle don't retire again a year earlier but you know that doesn't have the hunger the drive i think the problem with lebron have more titles if it wasn't for the lack of hunger and drive and commitment to the game will to win so LeBron, killer instinct so this is important to know too lebron made his first nba finals at age 23 right jordan made his first nba finals at age um, 27. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's apples to oranges in a way because two completely different, not only players, but, you know, how their teams were put together and systems. 
Also, you know, LeBron is way more Scottie Pippen than he's Michael Jordan. A hundred percent. He's way more Magic Johnson than he is Michael Jordan. A hundred percent. Now, he passed Jordan in scoring on 1,500 less shots, but, you know, again, he's his goal isn't to lead the league in scoring. Yeah. That was Kevin Durant's goal for a while. He wanted to lead the league in scoring, and then he wanted to win championships. LeBron James has never been committed to leading the league in scoring. And this isn't a LeBron James podcast. We're just trying to put it in perspective because it seems like even the Jordan people, they immediately take, like everybody that watches this that is like a Jordan stand takes to the internet and brings up LeBron. It's like, bro, like what? Like this is some sort of insecurity on your behalf. Yeah. LeBron could have never handled the Bill Lambert Pistons. Yeah. Let's talk about we got to talk about the Isaiah, the walking off, the dream team thing I sent you. And just Isaiah in general. Do you feel bad for Isaiah the way that this all played out cuz I don't feel fucking bad for Isaiah at all. Obviously he went on to ruin the Knicks, so Isaiah can go fuck himself. But there's this, I mean Jordan certainly has Well look, I I agree. Here's what I agree with. I agree with what Michael Jordan said. You still lose in class. You know, you you lose a series, you shake hands. Now, Isaiah said the pit, the Celtics didn't shake their hands and blah blah blah. Big deal. Okay. So but but hold on. But 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 I have something that's my first point is that I agree with what Michael Jordan said. You lose with class, you shake hands. He still beefs he still he basically hates Isaiah to this day. But that's my second point. Get over it, Michael. He was young. This was 30-plus years ago. Just get over it. So now Isaiah, I sent you the clip, Isaiah basically saying that when all is said and done and 30 years later, that now that there's enough people out there, now we have Michael on tape watching Isaiah saying, doesn't mean he's not an asshole, like blah, blah, blah. And there's a book, there's a Dream Team book, written by a Sports Illustrated writer that basically says Jordan wasn't going to if if Isaiah was on the dream team Jordan wasn't going to play. And Pippen wasn't going to play. Okay? Because fuck Isaiah. This is 2 years removed from that situation. We're 30 years removed and Michael Jordan still is pissed off about it. So obviously 2 years later he's going to be furious about it, right? Yeah. So the dream team Chuck Daly coaches the dream team by the way, which is amazing. Yeah. The dream team has to pick we can have Isaiah or we can have Jordan and Pippen. That's a no-brainer. Obviously, we're doing this dream team thing. This is a big old basketball circle. Like, this is a huge deal. There, sure. there was never a chance that they were going to pick Isaiah over Jordan and Pippen. Fully qualified to be on that team. Deserves to be on that team. Like, when you look at it, obviously Magic, Bird, Michael, Scotty. After that, it gets pretty tight to like not have Does it? Isaiah. You're going to have big men, so you're going to have Patrick Ewing, and you're going to have Dennis Rodman, but like Isaiah is no, more no, qual- no, Not Dennis Rodman. You're going to have Chuck. Uh, sorry, Dennis, uh, David Robinson. Oh, yeah. Ewing, David Robinson. But I'm saying you've got Chuck Daly. You're, no, I'm saying Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley, yeah. You're going to have bigs, but like they had John Stockton on that team. You know, At the time, John Stockton isn't 
doing in the NBA at the point guard position what Isaiah Thomas is. You've got Chris Mullen. You've got, like, there's other guys on this team. Like, Isaiah is qualified to be on the 92 Dream Team, no doubt about it. And everybody has said that over the years. And the reason he's not on there is because of... You want to hear something crazy about Isaiah Thomas? You know he never averaged 20 points a game? Yeah. No, I'm wrong in that. Sorry. I thought I saw that somewhere. Even if he didn't, though, but, like, that wasn't his... That's that's. They, they're, they're a slow it down. They're, they're the bad boys pissed uh, I'm wrong on that. He averaged 20 points a game a lot. Okay. He's also the best player on that Pistons team, no doubt about it. He wins a finals MVP. Sure. Right? And then I think Dumars maybe got the other one. Um, I think he's a one-time finals MVP. But he's certainly the leader of that Pistons team and their best player. Yeah. He's qualified to be on it. But here's my problem with it. And, again, I'm I'm a New York Knicks fan. So fuck Isaiah Thomas to death. He's a, <laughs> he's a sexual harasser. All right, all right, all right. He ruins the CBA. He ruins the New York Knicks. He ruins the Toronto Raptors. He's a, he's fuck Isaiah Thomas to death. Okay? But if Scotty and Michael have this beef that if you're on the bad boys pissed, I know what you're doing, and you're going to walk off the court, and you're not going to shake our hands, I don't want Bill Lambeer anywhere near my documentary. I don't want Isaiah Thomas on the Dream Team or I walk. Then you're a huge Hippo- gaping hypocrite yeah. to welcome Dennis Rodman onto the 95 Bulls. It's true. Right? Yeah, you got a point. You got a point. When when more than anybody but maybe Lambeer and Mahorn, he's doing the dirty work. I mean, he tried to kill Pippen. Yeah. So, by the way, I'm f- if Michael Jordan, I have more respect for Michael Jordan if he consistently never breaks for 30 years. Fuck every single member of the Bad Boys Pistons. They can all fucking die. I won't play on an Olympic team with them. I won't go to dinner with them. I won't golf with them. If Joe Dumars is there, I'll blow up the fucking restaurant. I'm not fucking with the Bad Boys Pistons. But then the second Horace Grant leaves, you got you got Dennis Rodman on the horn, and you're like, worm man. You don't even have to practice. You can vacation during the season. Just come on the balls, bro. Yeah. No, it's true. It is interesting that there's such this beef with the Bad Boys Pistons. Where Michael Jordan is cursing Isaiah Thomas 30 years later. But they had no problem accepting Rodman. Who blatantly shoved Pippen in the back. Which could have seriously injured him. Now, I like Dennis Rodman as a person. Seems like a great guy. Isaiah Thomas can fuck himself till he dies again. But let's just agree. Michael Jordan is sort of on the record as I don't mess with the bad boys Pistons except for Dennis Rodman because we we didn't lose Paxson. We didn't lose Hodges. We didn't lose Kerr. We lost our leading rebounder and lost to him in the playoffs. So I will take any bad boys Pistons who are still out there that can dominate the boards. Yeah. Just saying. I feel you. You're right. I agree. I've lived 90s basketball 
It consumed my life. I was watching the Lakers Bulls highlights from that Jimmy. I knew exactly where I was. It was at a Chinese restaurant in Golden's Bridge, New York, eating dinner with my family. And I was sitting out at the bar drinking Shirley Temples. I'm an 11 year old at a bar. And they're like, why are you in the bar? I'm like, I got to watch this basketball game. I lived when they played the Beastie Boys during the Dennis Rodman 90s Bulls highlights. I almost murdered myself. I've never been more triggered than taking diehard Knicks fans and putting their music over 90s Bulls highlights. It's <laughs> the most I've ever been triggered in the history of what, the world. Would they play Maestro? Yeah. Over yeah. over over Dennis Rodman highlights. I was shaking. Yeah. I was full Karen. It's a good song though. Yeah, it's great. Is that check but, your is that check your head? It's uh yeah, I think so. Yeah. It was I live nineties basketball. So when I watch this stuff, I, I come here to the Dirty Sports Podcast to fill in some of the blanks for everybody. Cause it consumed me. I will say, but God, those the, that second that second run Bulls team, man, they were so much fun to watch. The second run Bulls team. Just again with the personalities. When you add Dennis Rodman to the mix, he, he's just. Hey, the first run wasn't bad either. They were like it was like a and you know a more athletic Scotty and Michael. It was again Horace Grant underrated. They they were all fun, and don't forget the night the NBA in the nineties was also a, a debacle. The overexpansion, the watering down of the league. That that's like all stuff that's probably not going to be covered in like the Bulls dominated decade when. Basketball is truly at its worst. Like the 80s was more competitive. Sure. And the 90s, the Bulls dominate. But like the night we're introducing the Vancouver Grizzlies and the Raptors and the expansion just happens. And no one's got again. This is the thing that we say. Every team had one star. And that was like kind of by plan. You know, every team's got the guy that's going to go on their poster. The Bulls had two. Bulls arguably had guys like Horace Grant and Dennis Rodman, who were these third Kevin Love-ish type of stars. And that's why they dominate for a decade. I want to see more Tony Kukoc. <laughs> I saw a great tweet. Somebody goes, if you think Jordan and Pippen put the clamps on Tony Kukoc with the Dream Team, how about what they did to him in this documentary? <laughs> you just keep seeing t- Tony Kukoc is like the kid in Three Men and a Baby that appears in the background, the ghost in the background of Three Men and the Baby. Is Tony Kukoc alive? I mean... Tony Kukoc was such an important part of that second three-peat. How are they not mentioning him? I believe he was sixth man of the year. Have they even said Tony Kukoc in the documentary yet? That's a great question. You know there's the the, the whole beef, though. Of course. The, the, going back to Spain and Barcelona and the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, and going back to them courting him, and they were like, we don't fucking need this guy, and then, then we're going to show you how much we don't need this guy, and then the, there's... The last shot with Pippen yeah. and Kuko. Jordan rules. The book has, which if you have never read, that there's a whole thing in the Jordan. Like, the, the, the Tony Kukoc thing is like long... They haven't even mentioned Tony Kukoc's name in the documentary. So this is what Tony Kukoc was. Tony, I, I can tell you one thing. They have definitely not had, I mean, is Tony Kukoc going to be interviewed in this documentary? I just don't get it. Where is he? They've got the assistant coach from Michael Jordan's high school basketball team. Is Tony Kukoc going to get the Leroy Smith treatment? Tony Kukoc was Lamar Odom back in his day. Yes. Is that the, the comp? I mean, even with the lefty and everything. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just a... 
coming off the Lakers bench, going to put in 12, 13 points a game, get rebounds, play some defense. I just, I just, I, the fact that they're ignoring Kukoc. Kukoc was the guy who the Bulls signed after Jordan went to play baseball. I mean, they have they have three minutes on Michael Jordan calling Scott Burrell an alcoholic. They haven't mentioned Tony Kukoc's name once. The disrespect. How have they not mentioned Tony Kukoc? There's more. There's been more about the Smith brothers in four <laughs> episodes of a documentary about the '90s Bulls. Then Tony Kukoc, they're sixth man for three championships. Yeah. A great sixth man, too. There are some things Michael Jordan will not let die. Isaiah Thomas, <laughs> the fictional guy who made the high school basketball team over him, <laughs> and, the, and the presence of Tony Kukoc on the 90s Bulls. Come on, man. You want to hear a funny story? Yeah. So, uh, the Bulls have just won the three-peat, and obviously we don't have NBA in Cincinnati, and they're, you know, they would do exhibition games. You're going to love this. The exhibition game, it was all hyped up in October before the NBA. Cincinnati Civic Arena or some nonsense like that, right? Downtown at the, uh, the old Riverfront Coliseum. Okay. It was Sonics Bulls. And I was stoked. I had I had won some contests, and I had, I think, maybe two tickets. So you're all excited as a kid. You're going to see Michael Jordan. You're going to see Scottie Pippen. You're going to see Gary Payton. You're going to see Sean Kemp. None of them show. Dude, you'll love this. <laughs> you'll love this. My uncle. So at least I had won tickets. My uncle. <laughs> this is this... And by the way, that, that the place still exists. I don't even know what it's called anymore. Is it U.S. Bank Arena? I don't even know what it's called. But it still exists. It's right next to the Red Stadium. They just basically need to redo it. My uncle gets tickets for his family. I bet you he drops. Who knows? They show up. This place is so old. There's two, two of the actual seats are missing at their seat. The actual seat portion. Yeah. So here's what happens. Jordan retires. No Jordan. Pippen, I'm hurt. Not playing. Gary Payton, not playing. Sean Kemp, not playing. And this is the silver lining. You know who they advertised? The new star for the Bulls, Tony Kukoc. Yeah. That's who I got to see. Tony Kukoc. And was it everything you dreamed it would be? That's why I had to bring him up. Where's Kukoc? Yeah. I got to see him live. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean... We're four episodes of 10 episodes deep. Uh, I had sent you something that has since disappeared. I had sent you eight watermarked episodes in a, in a Google Drive folder that the, the person who shared it with me has since, uh, has since been removed. Oh, man. But supposedly episodes 9 and 10 are so wild that they weren't even included in my secret stash. Yeah, so we had, we had a secret stash to all the... Everybody, everyone but two. Yeah. So there's a lot more to come, but I am interested to see Horace Grant, how they handle Horace, how they handle Tony, how they handle, you know, the first retirement and the gambling thing, Michael's father's death and blah, 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 a lot of things. Will, 
I need Vegas odds on who makes an appearance first, Tony or Leroy Smith. We have any good comments in there, Andy? People are like, you are talking way too much about this documentary. No, nothing crazy. It's a good documentary, though, man. Yeah. Especially for us who grew up with this stuff. And, you know, as much as I was triggered by that Beastie Boys, they're doing a fantastic job of timing the music along with the what they're showing you. Bro, I've been... I've been jamming since last week. I've been, during my runs, I've been rocking LL Cool J. I'm bad. I knew, I knew you would. <laughs> I was going to say, the, the LL Cool J song they showed during the Bulls Celtics series. I mean, I will say, Rodman is just like, God, that dude. He's like, in, like I, I ran last night. I felt good. It's hard, to, it's hard to like Rodman more than you already did. Then he cracks a cold Miller Lite and gets on his motorcycle. I'm like... I wish I could wrap my arms around him as he rides away. You know why I love Rodman? Because he could go on a bender like they show and still just bring it at practice, bring it at games. I mean, he showed he, he joked that he was drinking kamikazes in the weight room. I mean, it's unbelievable. There's also sto- there's stories that that was like Rodman's deal, too. It's like he's not like a heart. Like he, he likes like the girly stuff. But he'll drink like forty kamikaze shots. It was basically just vodka and lime juice. Now you had a thing on the Jordan, the Bulls, the workout. You wanted to get Well, I just thought it was funny. I noticed again, not to keep harping on it, but everybody was, oh, the nineties, the nineties. These dudes didn't even these dudes didn't even weight train. I mean, I mean that was a piece in the documentary which made me laugh. I, I put a note down on it. They're saying Michael Jordan didn't start weight training till after he lost to the Pistons for the third straight year. Think which about, is like, okay, whatever, I guess. But but, but again, I want to put it in comparison of like how tough they were in the '90s, guys. They didn't even weight train. And I've got my whole other conspiracy theory. There's this clip of Michael Jordan doing the pull-down bar. I mean, I've seen it a thousand times in my life. I, I have too. The cut-off T-shirt underneath the Bulls practice penny, the black practice penny with Bulls in red. I think he's wearing red shorts. I've seen that. Th- this is the only clip we have of Michael Jordan working out. I know he went to the gym and he turned the Bulls into weight. We have one clip in a, in a, in 35 years of Michael Jordan. He's the one thing on him doing the pull. It's the one clip I've seen for you. Anytime you want to show me Michael Jordan working out, there's one clip of it. I just, it's I just, the same thing. Again, it's, it, in a way, it's stupid. It was in the Gatorade commercial. It was in the McDonald's commercial. Well, here's the good thing. They are going to address all that. What's here's why here's what's good about the documentary. It's a pro Jordan one, but it also is highlighting things that have been said on this show for years. The next few episodes are going to highlight how Jordan was the first ever marketing campaign. They're going to highlight. So it's funny because it's a pro Jordan documentary, but it's also showing how brainwashed we all were because of the marketing and the whole push for Michael Jordan. Because, guys, you have to remember, and they say this in the documentary, there there was basically Magic and Bird, it's known, saved the NBA. Yeah. They were playing games on tape delay. They were, they were play- playing NBA Finals games on tape delay. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson saved— from their co- Because 
college sports them or even bigger than pro sports. They've yes. got a rivalry in college. They get the Indiana State, Michigan State. They go, they're the face of the NBA. They both go to good teams straight out of college, even being one, two. Yeah, so they save the NBA. So when those guys are towards their tail end, the NBA is looking around saying, who's our next guy? And obviously Jordan was because he was the best player in the world. But the point is, there's, there's so many stars now. Like, there were stars back then. But, I mean, my point is, you got guys like like Chris Paul. I was thinking about this today. Chris Paul, they're doing a whole new round of State Farm commercials with uh, with Carlton from Fresh Prince. Yeah. And they're actually kind of funny. I actually kind of like them, right? The new Chris Paul. The new Chris Paul. <laughs> yeah. But, but, that, that... But, but this is my point. Chris Paul is like... At this point, as far as stardom, you're like, oh, he plays in the Thunder. He's towards the tail end of his career. Back in our day, Jordan did all those commercials. Yes. That's all I'm saying. And, and that was because— A guy like Chris Paul back then is not doing commercials. That's because the only players you knew were the guys that were competing in the, the basically the playoffs and the occasional NBA on NBC were the only national games. You're not getting three games a week on ESPN— and TNT. Exactly. You're not getting the NBA package. No. You're not getting any sort of streaming anything. You're not getting highlights on the social media all day. There's now, and this is obviously LeBron James's proof of it. Um, I mean, guys, basically, like you said, across the league, Kevin Durant in Oklahoma and Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma, all the, you can be a star, and it used to be mean something to be in a big market. I mean, you're looking at Celtics, Lakers, Bulls, Knicks. Like this is these are the guys that are pumped up. I mean, even the David Robinsons and the Hakeem Olajuwon's who are down in Texas. You never saw you, there was one David Robinson commercial back in the day. One, one. Which one was that? Ah, it was just like it was M, uh, David Robinson Nike commercial. It was Miss Robinson's neighborhood. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you had Charles Barkley. I remember he used to do the deodorant ones. Yeah. And Pippen did the deodorant ones. Pippen did Speed Sick and, and Barkley. Yeah. But, like, yeah, Barkley's in Philadelphia, and then he's in Phoenix, and obviously, but he's going to the NBA Finals. You weren't – it wasn't everybody has a sneaker, you know? In those days, Paul, a Paul George, the second guy on every team he's ever played for, isn't having the PG sneaker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pippen didn't have his own sneaker. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, th- it was it was Michael Jordan, and that was, and that spurned a whole era of then guys, everybody getting their sneaker, and then, then realizing that didn't work, and then doubling back, and blah, blah, blah. And sure. Now, and now we've kind of re- refreshed again. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I was thinking about that again, because you were just, it was Jordan nonstop. And again, the documentary does a good job of, of highlighting it and from what I've seen future episodes will do that so well look Joe we've covered it all the last dance the NFL draft last dance the last dance and uh that's the episode guys follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the dirty sports and uh yeah thanks for thanks for sticking around with us at fix your life on Twitter at Joe Prano on Instagram uh, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Be like Dennis Rodman, drink Miller Lite, and have sex with Madonna.
I think that's and Carmen Electra. Both of them. Yeah. And many, many others. I mean, let's all agree. He dressed like an idiot. Scored almost no points. Pretty sure it was the Miller Lite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say. It made me want to go to Vegas last night. Yeah? It made me want to go to Vegas. 48 hours in Vegas? It made me want to go to Vegas. It really did. I have a feeling I'm going to do a trip when Vegas reopens. And I'm inviting Dennis. You don't drink. You barely gamble. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. I'm going to Vegas. All right, guys. That's the episode. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for the support. Have a great week and stay dirty.